0: Uh, Good afternoon, and welcome to Free to be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to be Faithful is a religious liberty and education awareness program that was created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is fighting this trend on many different fronts. One of the most important fronts is in our nation's capital, where the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty is located. The Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz is the center's executive director and today's guest on Free to be Faithful. Dr. Seltz, welcome to the program.
1: It's great to be here with you. Uh,
0: Indeed it is. Boy, we've got a lot going on. Uh, (laughs) Why was the center... yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, why was the center uh, founded? This is the first thing I want I want to try to get clear in our listeners' mind. Uh, you've just been appointed as executive director in the last few months, and we're setting up, right. up in Washington. Why was this done? Why did the Senate take this action?
1: Well, yeah, our culture is becoming increasingly punitive to the things of the church. So again, people need to understand, all we're doing is putting our civil liberties to use to continue to proclaim the eternal liberties of Jesus Christ. So this this is still in service to the proclamation of the gospel. But when the government starts to encroach on our ability to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the teachings of the Church, then there's a point where you, you, you need to fight back at least to say, no, we have just as much right to publicly proclaim and serve. Um, I always look at what the Apostle Paul did in Acts 16, where you know, they beat him up one day for preaching, and he said, you can't do that because I'm a Roman citizen. And so he put his civil liberties to use. Uh, We have a lot more uh, civil liberties than he had, but again, all in service to the gospel. So our church felt that the government was encroaching way too much on a lot of different fronts, and they decided to open up an office to be a a voice and a a service um, here in D.C.
0: How do we accomplish this? What are you doing specifically in D.C. with the center to try to fight these problems?
1: Well, first of all, we got to educate our own people to be the kind of two kingdom citizens that God actually created and redeemed us to be. I mean, Jesus is the one who established this. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. So God's at work in two different ways in the world, and we get to participate with him in those two different ways. So the first thing is to educate our own people. Let them know what's going on, make sure they understand the implications of these things to their schools, their churches, their own personal lives. And um, we do. We're going to do that. The other is to just be, you know, a voice here, a ministry of presence here in DC to really make sure we understand w- what's happening, so that we can not only be of service to our uh, legislators, but also, you know, of service to our people.
0: Well, perhaps things are turning around a little bit. I'm. I'm looking that uh, President Trump declared yesterday uh, Religious Freedom Day.
1: Right. And well, you know, the funny thing is when it comes to presidents. You know, you know, there's a sense where we're saying, just give us the, um, the opportunity to be Christians for others in this world. And this particular president seems to be, you know, doing those kinds of things. And so we as citizens are going, hey, that's great, because we want to have the freedom to be uh, Christian people in the public square for the sake of others. So yeah, I think there's some things that are turning around, and um, I'm running into a lot of Christian folks here on the Capitol a lot more than people might imagine.
0: That's refreshing to hear. Uh, We so often hear about the secular comings or the the pseudo-Christians who are cafeteria Christians, read what they want to into the Bible, who are perhaps in positions of power. But to know that there are truly Christians there in Congress, in the bureaucracy, in our government, in our press, that's refreshing to hear.
1: It is refreshing, and people need to understand we're not just here to fight for the Christian message in the sense of protecting ourselves. I really do believe that the Scripture, uh, as it, it talks about how church and state relate to one another, etc., it, it creates a very tolerant, joyful, uh, compassionate people for the sake of all. And so we're actually fighting for those who might not even agree with us, too, because some of the things we talk about we believe actually will bless even those who don't necessarily agree with our particular views on things. Well,
0: I just read an article from the Heritage Foundation uh, today where it was talking about how the Supreme Court has decided not to uh, take up the case of the Mississippi uh, anti-discrimination law. uh, That basically gave protection to businesses and individuals who believe, as, uh, as we do, that marriage is between one man and one woman, so that they don't right. face the penalization that people like they have in Colorado and other states. And one of the uh, things that the article had mentioned was that this actually it represents a, a victory for all sides, regardless of how you right. stand on the marriage issue, because, simply because the government can say, we don't like this, what you're saying now that can change in the next election and can be thrown right back.
1: Well, and that's the point, you know, this is a civil liberties, this is a religious liberty issue for us. It's not so much, even for those who disagree with what we uh, teach about marriage, they should be very nervous about the fact that the government is starting to define what a good relationship is. Uh, Based on what we're seeing in the public sphere today, um, they're probably not the people who should be defining those things. But that's the problem is that it's been created into this idea that it's a, it's a civil rights issue. No, no, it's a, it's a religious liberty issue. And it's really good that the Supreme Court leaving it there. Um, I was just uh, shopping. I, we went to a deli, and it was a kosher deli. And I mentioned to one of my friends, I said, hey, you know, not every deli has to be kosher. You know, so it's kind of a similar to the cake issue. Not not every uh, deli owner has to agree with everything that I think of. and some owners have you know, kosher meats and other owners don't have. And there's a sense where not every deli has to be a kosher deli. That's a similar way we would talk about the cake issue. Not every uh, bakery has to believe in the exact same thing. And so we should give people the freedom to actually serve their customers. And by the way, the guy that was involved in the cake issue, he served that couple in, in all kinds of ways. He just said he didn't want his message to be proclaimed as part of their union, and, I, and that's a radically different thing than what people are being told in the press.
0: Oh, absolutely, and we saw that as well with the Kleins, with the uh, Sweet Cakes by Melissa out in Oregon State. Uh, we've seen that with uh, 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 our Leads Flowers in Washington State, where again they served these, they served the gay people. What they simply refused yeah, they, to do was to make a statement supporting a gay marriage.
1: Right, and that's the point. We should be free to actually lovingly, caringly disagree on, on these kind of fundamental issues.
0: And I think the other side, there's a vindictiveness involved. I read another article recently where one of the uh, major financial supporters of uh, of uh, groups that are fighting against us said something to the effect of that. He wanted to, quote, punish the wicked.
1: Right. And, and that's what, you know, when it comes down to religious fervor, um, in, in these issues, there's a there's a, a kind of a puritanical rage, and, and it's not coming from our side, and that's, people need to understand, we're not, again, we're not here with that kind of mentality, we're here to actually be of service to our country, service to our church, and our two-kingdom understanding, I really do believe, blesses people even who disagree with us, and of course it undergirds fundamental things that are a blessing uh, to our nation, so yeah, it, 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 that's one of the reasons why you have to push back on this, because... There will be a silencing uh, of, of Christian viewpoints if this does. If we don't push back,
0: and I think that was warned in the Obergefell decision that legalized uh, gay marriage throughout the country. Uh, in fact, I think it was. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that uh, uh, Justice was it Justice Kennedy who had written the um, majority opinion, even issued a warning saying that there are people of goodwill who hold these beliefs, and well.
1: It- see and the problem is, is already in that statement people of goodwill who hold these beliefs it's almost like he's still disparaging uh, what those beliefs are and you know think about it marriage is an institution it's more than a relationship and there's a lot of problems in our culture today including in our city that have to do with the breakdown of marriage but when you talk about it as only a relationship and you can't even differentiate between childbearing relationships and non-childbearing relationships and things like that, just for the sake of discussion. You're, you're silencing not just people of goodwill, but people who have a, a good opinion that really is a, something that can bless our culture. And so, again, it, it's fighting for that opportunity to be a voice in the public square. That's why we're
0: here. And one thing I want to bring out to uh, our listeners who may not be Lutherans, uh, when we talk about this two-kingdom concept, we right. recognize the secular world that the world around us is being one kingdom and then there's this this kingdom of the spirit and the church is another kingdom. Now, the Obergefell decision legalized gay marriage. Okay, that is the law of the land. We don't like it, but we recognize it as the law of the land and we are not doing anything to penalize people who follow that.
1: Right, and we're actually using the proper venues to continue to get our voice out and to say why we think this is bad law. Um, That's something, again... You know, God is at work. When we talk about two kingdoms, it's the Bible that says God is at work. God is at work through the governments and through things like entrepreneurs and business people. He's at work through moms and dads, whether they're believers or not, but for a very specific purpose. And that's to keep the peace, to keep this broken world from devolving worse than it already is. And so that's, the Bible talks about God being at work in that left-hand kingdom, outward law way. But then there's the right-hand kingdom way where God comes with a message of grace alone through faith in Jesus. These are always intention, but they're both God at work, and we need to differentiate. We need to make sure we understand how God is at work in both those kingdoms and then participate in that work He's already doing.
0: Well, this Friday we're going to see another example. Uh... This will be the 45th annual March for Life that will be taking place nationwide and, of course, in the nation's capital of D.C. What had happened there, as you know, Roe v. Wade legalized abortion on demand. Uh, Actually, it was 46 years ago, I believe, that that the legalization came in, the, the ruling came in. Now, again, we recognize the legality of what the Supreme Court has done. We are adamantly opposed to such things as attacking abortion doctors physically or blowing up clinics. This is wrong. What we are trying to do is to use the left-hand kingdom to spread the right-hand kingdom's message that abortion is wrong. Change your minds. Come to God.
1: Well, and the thing is, it was bad law. I mean, no matter what you believe about abortion, it's bad law to use the Supreme Court to knuckle people under in a very divisive issue about the sanctity of life and the protection of the most innocent life among us. I mean, when you think of some of the things, you know, Francis Schaefer had a series called Whatever Happened to the Human Race. When you think about what we can do even to our children, um, this is something we need to be able to discuss. So it was bad law. Well, what you see us doing is trying to convince people and change people's minds. That's the way to to do it in a culture that honors one another.
0: Well, another problem facing us that I believe is uh, one that you're going to be tackling is our perception in the media. Uh, We are portrayed as anything from being uh, ignorant to being rubes to being hostile. You very seldom see positive stories in the media about what we do and what the religious community does. For example, how we helped in the recent hurricanes that struck the coast and struck down in in, uh, in, uh, Puerto Rico. You don't see these Mm -hmm. stories.
1: Well, you know, I I get a kick out of it because they always blame the Church and they blame God's people and Christian people for being like a shame culture, like we shame people. And yet the culture that's doing all the shaming today is this kind of uh, progressive media culture. And, you know, all we can do is still uh, speak the truth, we can serve others, we can serve one another, and we can speak these things in in a spirit of uh, not only uh, collegiality and camaraderie, but a, a spirit of love. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're here to do this. It doesn't mean these conversations aren't hard and that there there aren't right and wrong issues here that are fundamental. But, uh, again, the spirit that we're going to do, all we can do is, is reflect uh, the way Christ does these things and speak the way he speaks about these things and let the chips fall where they may.
0: Well, how do you do this with the media? How do you reach out to them and say there's another side to the story? What do you specifically well, do in the center?
1: That's one of the reasons why we're here. We're going to actually try to be one of those voices where they can go to They can say, well, there's this other group called the LCRL. What do they have to say about these things? So obviously we're trying to be a public voice in that regard. Um, The only thing I I caution people is that there's there's a reason why the media speaks the way they do. I'm not sure that we'll do the best we can to represent our views even more um, uh, persuasively uh, and more boldly in the public square but again you know we're up against uh, some particular issues where we'll we'll do our very very best but again God's at work in all this stuff and we're here not just for the sake of getting that you know message out about who we are but about who he is
0: well i know you know back from my my days working in the uh, secular media uh, there would be uh, source books that we would have of people we could go to who would have a point of view and have something to say. I remember everything from, oh, uh, Native American groups to labor unions to you name it. Uh, right. And this is one of the areas, I mean, where you can get involved. And uh, certainly to call these people and make yourself available, perhaps even...
1: Well, we're already partnering, and that's the thing. So we're here, specifically, we're here to do just that. We're here to partner with lots of different people to make ourselves available, uh, to make ourselves known. A ministry of presence is going to take some time, but we're already on it. It's amazing how fast things are going now that I'm here. Um, So we're doing just what you just said, because to sit back and let the message come to us uh, is not going to be a blessing to our churches, our schools, and our people. No, no, you got to be proactive. We're already going to be doing that. You have to be proactive.
0: proactive. What about with the Congress? Now, you mentioned that uh, you've been very pleasantly surprised to find how many people of faith are in the Congress. How do you work with
1: them? Well, in the Congress, but also the aides. Uh, I'm running into kids, uh, young people, uh, in their 30s and 40s. This is kind of an exciting thing. I just ran into a neighbor of mine who runs a prayer breakfast for all the aides uh, here in town. And, And so you start to see that there's a movement here. Um, that's coming even from below. And there's more people in Congress, too, but there's also a lot of people on the Hill who who have a a faith perspective of how to do these things. They're they're not only passionate, but they're caring. And so it's going to be exciting to get to be a part of that and to work with them. I'm going to be visiting uh, Congress people's offices. I'm going to be getting to know them. Uh, How can I be of service to them, praying with them, uh, talking over the issues with them, all kinds of things like that. Uh, So that ministry of presence is meant to make sure they know that there's, there's 2.5 million of us and more uh, schools, churches, and people, and, and uh, we care about them, but we also have particular opinions on, on uh, some of these fundamental issues.
0: Absolutely, and uh, of course, we're seeing this with the court system as well. Uh, many, many things are going on where we have to make our voice heard. Uh, you know, right. God has spoken about that. You know, we read about it in the Bible that we have to raise our voice, we have to be heard, we have to spread our ministry, and it's a difficult road to hoe.
1: Well, people don't understand. You know, we have two things we need to do. We need to be proclaiming the gospel. We need to be a blessing to the communities we're in. And and so this is the way we do this. We learn how to be a public voice that learns how to serve, that learns how to take care of these temporal issues in a a mutually uh, beneficial way while we preach the gospel. When the culture starts to push us down and and, and shut us out of the public square, we're just using, we're going to teach our people how to use their civil liberties to actually still be public voices of the gospel so that, we can hear it, and our grandkids can hear it, and our grandkids' grandkids can hear it.
0: Well, like you mentioned, there's two and a half million of us just in the Senate alone. Thousands of right. churches nationwide. Uh, are we doing any coordination with these local congregations and how they can help get the message out to the opinion makers and to the decision makers in their communities?
1: Well, I check in our, our webpage, uh, lcrlfreedom.org, is launching in February it's going to be a resource for our churches, our schools, and our peoples, and we're going to put some of the best thinkers in our churches together there, and we're going to resource it. Um, that's the place they can go to find out, and then we're going to try to build a coalition. We're going to be working with our universities to build a coalition uh, of people who are trained in the way to think about these things so they can be public voices that, that really understand the tension of the two kingdoms for the sake of both the community and in the church. So... All that's coming, you know, just watch for it because it's really meant to be a blessing to those who put it to use.
0: And, of course, I don't have to tell you, but our listening audience, you will work closely with us here at the International Center. And when this information becomes available, we'll disseminate it here through KFUO Radio and through our communications department, the Lutheran Witness, uh, uh, the reporter, all the other publications. This information will be out and will be available, and we're going to make sure that the people listening know that this is going to happen.
1: And we'll have some free-to-be-faithful stuff on our website, too, because it's, it's excellent resources. We'll, we'll be the kind of per, the place that amasses these resources from all over the Church. So we're thankful to work with uh, the International Center and all of its resources there, because we do got to do this work together.
0: Oh, absolutely. And again, to let our, our listening audience know, uh, Greg, you and I have discussed that uh, this is going, you're going to be a regular guest on this program. We haven't determined yet the uh, the frequency, whether it'll be monthly, quarterly, or what have you, but you are going to be a regular feature on this program, on this free-to-be-faithful program, where we can get this information out and let the people know what's going on, what the problems are, and what we're doing to counter them. I think this is very, very important.
1: And we're going to be speaking uh, regularly about life, about liberty, about marriage, and about education. These are the four fundamental things we're going to be focusing on here. So, you know, keep, keep this uh, in your mind, because we're going to talk about it every month, one of those particular things, and how it affects you wherever you are, and how it affects our church's opportunity to be the church for others.
0: And, of course, the day after tomorrow is the March for Life. Uh, I know that yes, you're based it- in your prayers. Oh, absolutely. We will. And, uh, you know, we have uh, people here at the, uh, at the Synod, at the IC, who will be wow. attending both the marches in Chicago and the ones in D.C. Uh, we're going to be streaming it. We've got a lot of information coming up on that. And I'll be interviewing uh, Peter uh, Slayton, who is our... Director of Media Operations Downstairs, Social Media Operation Down in Communications. And he's going to be my guest next Wednesday on World Litre News Digest. So we'll get a report about that. Now, uh, I believe you are planning to personally attend. Is that correct?
1: My, my wife and I are going to be walking. In fact, just to let everybody know where the, where the uh, march ends, it's about two and a half blocks from our interim offices here. So uh. we're only two blocks away from where it ends. So we're right in the middle of all this stuff. We're going to walk from our place. To the starting point, we're going to be with all the folks that are marching with our green hats on, and uh, we're going to be a part of the march with them tomorrow.
0: Now, I've I've seen estimates of anywhere from 100,000 to 300,000 being expected at the march. Do you have any estimates?
1: I don't have any estimates right now. And, you know, when you start to see that it's all over the country now, you begin to realize. And the thing is, it's coming from the young. We're finding out that it's the young people's minds who are being changed on this issue and that's
0: exciting. That is more than exciting. I mean, this is one of the things I've known notice where I I've, I've followed the march for life over the years and I've noticed how not just the numbers have grown, but how the age of the marchers seems to have gone down. And I'm re- so encouraged that the that young people are getting involved in this. It means that the gospel message is getting out to this newer generation despite what we hear about when, what things that we see on TV and read about in the newspaper. They're hearing our message and they're acting on it.
1: And if you're listening in right now and you don't necessarily believe in what we're talking about, let me just tell it to you this way. That sanctity of life means that your life is precious. We're fighting for the lives of people. And it doesn't, there's a sense where people need to understand we're not just fighting for our view on this. We're talking about the sanctity and preciousness of all human life and how that really undergirds a healthy, tolerant, and serving culture. And so we're marching for that as well as for the marching against the the, uh, the evils of abortion because. That's the the, the most vulnerable life in our culture.
0: And we're also reaching out, I think, to many college campuses over and above uh, our Concordia university university system. I know, for example, here in St. Louis, we have a very active group out in uh, Washington University. And uh, this is something that I'm really encouraged about, getting this message out to the younger people. You know, as you know, our demographics here in the Senate are changing. We're losing Mm -hmm. membership, and our average age is is going up. We need to do something. I know President Harrison is very, very aware of this and is making positive efforts to try to uh, rectify this. And I'm sure this is something that the uh, center can be uh, very helpful in as well.
1: Well, again, like I said, a lot of the people that I'm running into, it, it's the younger folks. Obviously, it's the congressmen and the congresswomen, those kind of folks, but it's also their aides and people like that. And we're here to actually devotionally serve them to be a part of um, you know, caring and praying and those kind of things. And you're going to, we're finding out that there's a, there's a passion there, not just for these issues, but a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so again, you know, I tell people just be hopeful because again, God is at work. He's the one who saves and he kind of gathers us together uh, and gives us opportunities to do that. If we would just be open and vulnerable, if you will, to his leading. That's why Yvette and I are moving to DC.
0: I've been very encouraged by, and surprised, I might add, by by what you said about the young aides at the uh, in the uh, Capitol Hill area. Uh, The fact that there are such things as Bible studies and prayer groups that are being set up by these kids, kids, well, young adults. Let's let's call them what they are. Yeah, they're they're, they're,
1: young people, Yeah, they're. But you know what's interesting? I ran into it, and and I'll talk more about this in the future as I as I'm going to be going to a couple of the prayer uh, groups. I've been invited by a neighbor. Oh. Uh it's, it's kind of exciting because, like I said, I met this uh, young man the other day, and I kept thinking, he's a good kid. He's out there taking care of people's places and stuff like that. And then came to find out he's a guy that works He's an eight on the hill. So, uh. again, th- this is the kind of thing that's going to happen more and more. And if you're not here, you don't see these things. And I'll be reporting those kinds of things back. Uh, on your radio show and
0: others these are things that we really need to hear and be aware of uh you know there's so much bad news going on but as you're pointing out there's a lot of good news too things that a lot of good news yeah that yeah. we're not aware of really things that are that are happening that we need to know about and that we need to talk about and that is very very exciting to me we've got a uh, yeah. an interesting year ahead of us and i think a, a more hopeful one than we have seen in a long time
1: The Lord has given us an opportunity uh, to get back out there, and that's exactly what we're doing. Now I just ask people to come along with us, roll up your sleeves, because we've got a two-kingdom amount of work to get done. I I agree with you.
0: How can people help the center?
1: Well, again, right now I just pray about the center, and and you can go to our website, and you actually have a Facebook page. You know, just get to know us uh, at this point. Um, There's going to be more opportunities for you to partner with us. There's going to be events coming up in your area. Those kinds of things will happen. But right now... Pray for us because we're launching. We're in the middle of all this. Uh, go to our Facebook page. Go to our website when it opens up in February, and come along uh, for the ride. That's all I say because we're going to get this done together. Because God is already at work.
0: <laughs> well, Greg, I don't know if you're aware of it. I spent some time in D.C. when I was in grad school. Uh, the... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I went to uh, I went to uh, <laughs> uh, Northwestern University. I was part of the Medill School of Journalism uh, graduate program, and they actually have a yes. Washington. They actually set up a Washington bureau, and students go there and report. And uh, so I did spend some time there with the uh, Washington Bureau, and I must say I had a wonderful time. I never worked so hard in my life, and I can't remember the last time I was that bloody cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> but boy, did well, I, have, I have fun. Well, I, I, I highly recommend to you a, a place near the Supreme Court called the Hawk and Dove
1: the Hawk and Dove okay <laughs> the
0: Hawk and Dove which was one of our hangouts and it's still there I was in All DC right. just uh, about two or three years ago and the Hawk and Dove is still there <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know what's really what's really interesting is I'm, a, I'm really on the block where Hillsdale has their curvy center and across the streets the Heritage Foundation oh wow and there's a thing called there's a union pub I, you know it's, and how God got us this space is amazing I, that's a whole other story maybe we talk next time. But it was really interesting to me because I went to this place called the Union Pub, and there was probably 200 young people in their 30s uh, <laughs> in there, and the place was electric. So I'm pretty sure it's a little bit like the hawk and dove.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some very, very interesting discussions over uh, over uh, what they used to call numerous pictures of adult beverages, what we call now Lutheran beverages, <laughs> and they had the
1: well, best we, clam chowder. We, we, <laughs> We did it we, we did it with moderation, but had a great time, too, so it, it was a lot of fun, and that's our neighborhood. This is where we're at right now, and like I said, we're a couple blocks away from the Supreme Court building, so we're, we're right in the middle of it, but we're here for the sake of the church.
0: True, and it's an exciting place as well. You realize that, in many ways, you're at the center of the world, right there in Washington, D.C. We're still the most powerful city on earth. And Came down
1: Constitution Avenue the other night, and it was impressive. Hello? Yes.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I lost you there for a second. Go on.
1: No, I just said I came down Constitution Avenue the other night, and it was impressive.
0: Oh, it's easy to be impressed, just, just awe-inspiring yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, we're coming up to the end of the program, and you got about 30 seconds left to play. Uh, what do you want to say?
1: Well, again, like I said, to, to give up, you know, being a Lutonar speaker and, and being an evangelist out in our culture, I began to realize that our church... is is under uh, duress in some of these ways, too. So coming to Washington was one of those things I wanted to do for the sake of the Church. I want our Church to realize we're a public entity, we have a great message, and we can put our civil liberties to work so that we can continue to proclaim this. So be a part of it with us. Pray for us and uh, realize that... You know, God's doing the work. Uh, We get to participate. What a joyful thing
0: that is. Amen, amen. Today's guest was the Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz of Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen. Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.